0: Welcome back to the Free by Design podcast. I'm your host, Evan Williams, and this is episode five. I want to begin this podcast by saying how grateful I am to be able to travel full time. And more importantly, I'm grateful for the people I meet while I'm traveling. It seems that you just meet a ton of fascinating people when you travel. Maybe traveling brings out a particular type of energy or a vibe in you, and that energy attracts other like-minded people. Who knows, really? In this episode, I speak with Richard Hansen. Richard is a wealth of humble wisdom, and he's actively studying Zen Buddhism. In the short amount of time that Richard and I have known each other, we've become fast friends, and he shared some extremely thought-provoking ideas with me, which have really opened my eyes up to a completely new area of simple living. In our conversation, ideas are questioned and opinions are challenged, which makes the conversation really poignant and compelling. I hope you enjoy it.
1: All right, I'm here with
0: Richard Hansen, and we are in Mexico City. Um, uh, I'm really so pleased uh, to have you here uh, to have this conversation. Um, it really felt kind of serendipitous that we met each other, and we have had some really uh, interesting conversations um, since getting to know each other. So, Richard, thank you so much for being here. No, we wasted no time.
1: Right? Yeah. <laughs> cool. So. Before we start the interview, Evan, I just have sure. to say I'm feeling incredibly nervous and insecure. And, and I, I, th- I think the reason is that there's an inherent assumption that if I'm on your podcast, it's because I have something worthwhile or meaningful to say. But what can I say? Mm-hmm. Um, I know nothing, at least that is my intention. So, um, I like to quote Wautze, Walter, Walter, the, the Taoist philosopher mm-hmm. Um He's famously uh, quoted as saying, in pursuit of knowledge, every day something is added. In the practice of the Tao, every day, every day something is dropped. So this is, this is profound, right? I mean, this is a profound way to think that uh, maybe it's not about knowledge acquisition, but it's really about emptying out this vessel. Okay. You know, kind of a, a mental minimalism. Yeah. So um, I say this jokingly, um, but I'm serious. In my mind, it might be more beneficial for us to just sit here in silence but I understand from your perspective this is not riveting podcasting. So we will have a discussion. <laughs> I but love but that. I love um, if we could, let's keep the awareness in our minds that to claim that, that any claim to truly know something is at the very least unskillful and quite possibly detrimental to others. So um, as long as we have this at the forefront of our minds, let's have a discussion. Right on. You know what? I, I shouldn't
0: even have opened up the, uh, the podcast at all with my, my uh, intro, because that is just beautiful, and I think it really frames where I want to bring this conversation, because what I've, um, what I've learned from you in the short amount of time that we've known each other is there is this completely new realm of simple living and minimalism that I haven't even really spent nearly enough time on, and that's the the mental clarity and mental um, minimalism, minimalism and also the philosophical minimalism.
1: That's interesting because I'm working the other direction, right? Mm-hmm. I'm kind of starting in my head space and now I'm starting to Implement minimalism as a lifestyle in my in my in, in the physical world. I love it So we're, we're, we're meeting in the middle coming from different directions. <laughs> yeah, it seems appropriate, right? Yeah,
0: and this is what I found so interesting Is that you are coming from a different different place and most people do start with the physical side of things because it is so sexy in a way to to focus on these things and changing your life in a, in a physical way Um but I have just, it's really opened my eyes to hear your story. So, without getting too much further ahead of ourselves, I wanted to open up the podcast with you sharing a little bit about yourself. Uh, you know, like what, where are you from and what brings you to Mexico City?
1: Okay, I'm going to say very little because I feel the sure. details of my life are unimportant. I will say the basics. I'm from the Oregon coast. I am a nomad. Um, I've been in Mexico for the last two years. I. I'm hesitant to call myself a Buddhist because philosophically, what does this mean? I practice Buddhism. I'm in school and studying with the intention to become a Zen priest. Um, Mexico, in particular, because I find the people here just—I travel quite extensively, and uh, I've lived in Mexico before. I've come back. The people are just accommodating in a way. I mean that. Uh, I don't know, I, mean, I hear this a lot with expats, right? The people here are just so wonderful, so beautiful and accepting, Yeah. and I appreciate that. I always feel taken care of here, even though I have a, a poor command of the language, I always feel taken care of. So, I don't think I'll leave. I think I'm here to stay. But, uh.
0: Excellent. It's a beautiful it was, reason to stay. There's a lot of um, less savory reasons that some, some people do um, target certain places that they want to live abroad. I think that's a really
1: beautiful and um, meaningful reason. And Mexico City in particular, just because, I mean, it, it's such a, wow, it has such amazing energy, right? Yes. Yeah. This wonderful creative energy, this sexual energy, I mean, it's, it's, it's inherent to most big cities, but Mexico City is unique. Um, I actually had no intention to staying here. I was simply passing through. I was from, going from Chiapas to Guadalajara, and uh, the city has seduced me, so here we are. Right now, it, it's a beautiful love affair. It could become abusive. At which time we'll reconsider where we go next. But for now, I like it. Yeah, I think it's it great.
0: Yeah, hey, uh, and I think it's it's that's the best way to, to go about things. And I I often bring this up is you, you just has to it's got to be a gut feel. Um, once you, you feel like it's uh, you're not serving it and it's not serving you, um, it's only I think it's only best to uh, seek different uh, options at, at that point. But one of the things that we discussed previously. And I find this so fascinating is the contrast between what you're focusing on, what you're studying right now, Zen Buddhism, and the beautiful chaos that is Mexico
1: City. So I I find that that but, but is is it is chaotic the, because the mind creates everything. If we create if we create chaotic, it's chaotic. Uh-huh. If we create if we create calm, the mind creates calm. There's calm. Right. So. I mean, it's, it's conceptual to think this is chaotic. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I mean, if you zoom into everyday, the everyday mundane lives of people, maybe it's not so chaotic. Um, collectively, all these people inhabiting one space may seem chaotic, but what is chaotic? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. So I, I don't really sense the chaos. Um, I sense a lot of energy. Um, but, uh, and actually, I mean, it's a good point because I actually assumed, I lived in New York City for 10 years, um, when I was young, and I didn't have, you know, um, well, I mean, I was very hedonistic. I didn't have good tools of self-care, so New York City was very detrimental to my mental health. Um, so I assumed coming here that I would have this, this underlying anxiety and nervousness. not the case at all. I feel very grounded here. I feel very, very at ease here, in that, and I think that's one of the contributing factors as to why I'm going to stay here. And it may have to do... We talked about this before with all the green space. Yeah. And there's a real priority on public green spaces and, and this is... Uh, creates a sort of equilibrium in the city. So... So maybe it's not so chaotic. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting.
0: You're right. It's, it's always what you make of it. It's always very subjective. Um, I actually find there's a market that I love to go to in Oaxaca City and the... The energy and the sensory input is such an overwhelm of of, of um, influences and, and, and sensory inputs that I actually find peace and calm uh, being surrounded and engulfed in all of that, um, for lack of a better word, chaos. Sure. And it's interesting that you are sort of making that same
1: argument that in a way it's uh, it actually brings you calm. Well, there's also an intimacy about the city. Um, mm-hmm. One small detail I'll share about my life. I was uh, married to Mexico for 20 years. I'm recently divorced, and I made a joke recently that when I need intimacy, I just ride the train at rush hour, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's this wonderful <laughs> kind of intimacy in, in the city, and I appreciate that. Yeah, it's yeah, so, beautiful. I'm digging it here. Absolutely. It's a cool place. Um, I want to actually...
0: You touched on... Uh, an aspect and a concept that I, I know we've talked about in the past, and I want to talk a little bit more because I think it's really powerful. It's the idea of you creating the reality. And I watched the uh, the links that you sent over, they were absolutely amazing on uh, biocentrism. Yeah, Robert Lenz is a, a really fascinating guy. It is absolutely just turned my world upside down. <laughs> so it was really, it was really fascinating to um, to watch that. But my question is, in your opinion and in your experience, does the for, so for this argument say the clear space equal a clear mind,
1: or is it the other way around? I think that surely. Um having a clean and simple space reflects back on the mind mm-hmm. um, It's a question I asked you the other day you know can in theory, can we have a cluttered space and a clean mind, or can we have a cluttered mind and a clean space? I don't know. I mean, this is my exploration now, so my instinct is they there's a synergistic they're feeding on one another, right so um, personally, I feel it helps tremendously to have a simple clean environment, yeah. Um, it truly, I mean, you know On the face of it, if we have more things In our home There's more things to worry about you know, We worry about the condition of these things We worry about the value of these things And um, it's been my experience That when I, well th- th- This this is the exploration, right? What is our relationship with material things? Um, like most of us, I was Indoctrinated heavily And so, you know, can, can I unlearn? Can Can I... Reprogram in a way Yeah 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 I mean I find clearly that you know The, the little I've read I've read a few books on minimalism as a lifestyle mm-hmm. Um And hasn't described anything sure. Called minimalism the lifestyle But I do find that truly simplifying My physical space It definitely reflects back on my mind I mean I think it's, it's why I like monasteries so much Right? Yeah I mean, they're simple. If something's in the room, it either has a function or it's to be celebrated for its form. Or So I, I like this, you know.
0: It's interesting, yeah. It's almost like it, it almost happens organically at the same time, in a way. Almost like creating a song, I would say. That when you extract those... Um, those those things that might serve as a distraction the noise exactly the noise as you call it then you can make the space to create the reality that is most beneficial for yourself and for the world so it should be happening but maybe you encourage it along by removing those distractions that are not really that are really just kind of wasting your time in a way or keeping you from the direction that you should be going in. I think it's really fascinating. I do need to uh, ponder more about that. But as do I. But I, I yeah, I, 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 um, that's been my
1: experience.
0: Yeah. Yes. I think it's a beautiful. It's just beautifully sim- simple to think um, how one can feed into the other, and that that sort of brings me to um, the conversation we were having about philosophical clarity, um, in particular. The principle of charity. Oh, right, right. I was really fascinated with this concept. I haven't had a time, I haven't had a chance really to dive deep into it. But what I really, uh, what really calls to me with this this concept is almost like you have so many people are um, just like they use their. The, the, the possessions that they have they don 't actually own it ends up being the other way around that the possessions own them sure. in the same way it 's almost like your philosophical beliefs or just your general belief system. If you hold on and, and you and you use them to identify who you are and you hold on onto them too tightly, they end up owning you sure. so i wanted I wanted to talk about that a little bit more because I really think you 're your um, stance on this is is quite fascinating and it's really opened my eyes up quite a bit.
1: Well, I mean, if you could briefly describe the principle of charity
0: as you understand it. Right. As I understand it, um, it's the idea that, and really, I suppose the best way I can explain it is in like an example. So, if I have a, a concept or belief that I am just holding on to so so tightly because for so long I've used it to reflect back on myself as who I identify, what I use to to create my identity. Then I will. Who am I? Will, I? Who am exactly. I? <laughs> um, then I I will in effect have blinders on, and when sure. a legitimate counter argument comes up that I should really consider. I am encumbered by this belief, and I'm unable to really allow it and let it in, um, and potentially grow in a very good way, good, in a positive way. And for me, this is this is a whole new realm of simple
1: living. Um, so that's my understanding of it. So yeah, I think I think um, that's very good. My my, I would say the the, the principle of charity is more just kind of. I, I perceive it as more just the, the ground rules for a discussion, that, that uh-huh. when you present an idea to me that, um, you know, the ego is intent on, on, on making its point, right? The ego is intent on, right. on winning the argument, on convincing you that this is the way the world is. Yeah. Um, so this idea that, that if, we can, if we can let go of that and when you share an idea with me that I'm truly present for the idea, I consider the idea as if it were my own. Yeah. Um, I, you know, to be cautious of this thing that we tend to do where we're already formulating our next statement and really kind of halfway paying attention to what you're saying so that's the principle of charity in terms of belief, I mean I use my mother as an example um, I was brought up in a, in a fundamentalist evangelical Baptist environment and um, I see my mother, you know, she, she holds on to her beliefs. she's so personally invested in her beliefs that any times the belief are challenged, it's really a challenge to a personal identity. And so, I guess, you know, from, from just seeing how my mother's created her own suffering, the idea to me is to, like, a belief is like a, a loose-fitting garment, right? I mean, we wear it very loosely. Um, and, you know, if we have a discussion and you present an idea, a concept, a belief that's more compassionate, more pragmatic, more utilitarian, that, that I, I willingly and readily let go of that belief, and so you know yes to to not to not possess the beliefs, simply to use them in this pragmatic way, um, always willing to let go of them, yeah. i mean you know i I, I too have over i 've invested in my own beliefs and and uh, yeah, it creates our own suffering, right yeah that I'm, I
0: love that analogy of the belief being a, a loose fitting garment that's that's it's so poignant. It's yeah. spot on. I really like that, and I haven't really considered that uh, in the past. And this is why I love having this conversation. Well, I, th- I think
1: it's also this kind of underlying intention that we talked about about just you know we're here to ask questions and refine the questions we've already asked. That yes. If we show up here for this discussion, anytime we have a discussion with somebody that we we go into the discussion knowing that there are no points to be made, there are no arguments to win. Yeah. This is just a human animal interacting with a human animal and, and, and how, can we, how can we exploit the benefit of this interaction? I think we can do it by having a truly open mind. I mean, it's why I like Zen, right? Question everything. You see the Buddha on the road, kill the Buddha. So question everything. And I think that that's the spirit. And you know, it's, it's, it's not hard to see like, you know, why we have such division politically um, in the States. Um, you know, This is that comparison mind. There's me versus them. Yeah. good-bad, right-wrong. These are concepts. Absolutely. And can we let go of those concepts? And what, what, How does it liberate it if we, can, if we can let go of those concepts? It's hard to do. I mean, it's my yeah. practice, right? I mean, I'm deeply invested in my own thoughts.
0: It, not only is it hard to do, but it's hard to even like, fathom what the result would be if everyone took that approach. It's, uh, just. Yeah, it would definitely of, be a more compassionate
1: world, right? For sure.
0: For sure. I think it's, it's a very powerful... I hate to use the word tool, but in tool, a way... Tool's fine. Tool, Yeah, I like the word tool. Tool's a great word. It's something that can really... So the, the more you refine it and hone it in, I feel like this could really serve to bring about a lot of contentment in, in, your, in your life... And this is something that the pursuits that I've made so far in simple living have done for me, and I'm really excited to start employing this in my life. Do you have any examples of um, how it's it's um, how you've actually employed it, uh, even if it's like anecdotes about how? Do you have to like continuously remind yourself about this, or has it now become uh, a little bit more easy and natural
1: I think at this point i mean it's becoming habitual energy right yeah I mean, it something. is it is um, yeah but i mean i'm still you know I have to remind myself especially with certain discussions you know i um, discussions about psychedelics i 'm biased mm-hmm. um, uh, I definitely think that we would all benefit from uh a little Cilicabina. Um, You know, when we talk about veganism. So, it depends on the topic of conversation. I sure. mean, I feel relatively invested in some of my viewpoints. So, um, I think that every time I have to have a discussion, every time there's a discussion, I have to remind myself that, uh, um, that this is just an inquiry, right? This is just an inquiry. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, there's a good practice called triangulation. Oh, uh, It's just, it just where you consider the opposing viewpoint. Okay. I mean, seriously consider the... So, like, you know, I'll go online and read arguments about the sustained... The, I'll, I'll pursue, like, one thing I pursued recently was um, the ecological argument for veganism. It seems like I've heard and I, I read something about veganism is not as sustainable as, as, as they claim it is. So, you know, just, just pursuing an opposing viewpoint with an open mind you know, really trying to intentionally counteract that confirmation bias that we have.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a difficult thing. And um, I'm glad to hear you say that you do have to sort of continuously remind yourself, although it is becoming um, a little bit more habitual. That's where I want to get to. Um, and I am trying to always remind myself of good behaviors. Um even physically trying to remind myself about my
1: posture. So <laughs> well, we are creatures of habit, right? <laughs> absolutely. I mean I like this idea that, that we're nothing but a collection of habits. Yeah. And to identify which habits are unskillful and don't benefit us and simply replace those with habits that are skillful and benefit us. So uh, but I think this is a lifelong exercise, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, that we always have to, to bring this kind of intention to our mind. That's fantastic. I love, yeah, absolutely that it's
0: almost it's almost like it's almost like, a, like, a, like a wine, like a fine wine that's just aging over time that you're just continuously um, tweaking these, uh, these subtleties. Now I really like that concept. I am going to shift the conversation just briefly sure. here. Um, you had spoken before about uh, use. Of nature and green space uh, for bringing about healing, I'm really interested in the concept of shinrin yoku, uh, which is forest bathing, and actually in in some countries, particularly in Japan, doctors are prescribing time in nature for people that are afflicted with with any uh, medical issue. I would love it if you speak a little bit about your experience with getting back to nature for the
1: purposes of healing. Sure, so I think that uh, um, new, the 10 years I spent in New York City, though wonderful, they were fairly traumatic. Mm-hmm. And um, in an attempt to heal myself, I moved to the, the the woods in Oregon. And I don't really know much about Shirin I know the term. Yeah. But you know I think that, yes that we've we've lost in a fundamental way our place in nature, yeah, you know I mean we've we become very distracted by shiny objects, and so it just makes sense that 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 the benefit of you know I mean trees are our elders if, if, if we're open to the knowledge, um, it's like the woods are like university, right I mean. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, I grew up in cities, so it wasn't until I moved to Oregon that I really had had an experience of nature. But I think that being in nature is one of the things that um, deepened my intention to study Buddhism. Um, It definitely grounded me in a way that I'd never been grounded. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, being in nature has had a profound impact on me personally. I think we could all benefit from some force, force bathing. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I, um, I, it's always so profound for me. Even when I feel anxiety levels getting to a certain um, like fever pitch in my life, I, I do try to manage that just uh, every day and just checking in with myself. But when that actually does happen and I bring myself into say like even a hike, or the green spaces here in Mexico City, I just feel like a weight is coming off of my shoulders. Um,
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, I heard a podcast, um, and they were there was a podcast about urban planning, but they were speaking particularly about the, uh, the impact on, of nature. You know, they, they, were, they were looking at people, they were, they were actually studying um, spaces, like projects, for example, that don't have green spaces. And, and they were looking at crime rates they were looking at and, and their, their increase in these, in these yeah. environments and they actually did a, an experiment where they showed a picture they showed a person a picture of a tree, and just by seeing a picture of a tree, it reduced their anxiety levels so there is, there is something um, clearly beneficial about this connection with nature so you know and I, I, I know well I read that, that, that urban sprawl is like um, a major factor in like the mental health problems that Americans have. That yeah. This idea of living in suburbs and urban sprawl and it's, it's problematic, right? It's yeah. even problematic, so.
0: Yeah, it's, um, I sometimes, when checking in with myself and trying to understand where the anxiety is coming from, I can see that in certain environments, my fight or flight kicks in a lot and a friend of mine is actually really present and he's very good at identifying these things that are stressors in his life and he actively pursues rectifying it. Um, That's really opened up my eyes to it and and trying to get to that level of of being present enough to feel when that fight or flight is kicking in and why and it's it's always it's, it's interesting because a lot of times it's uh it is urban related it's big busy uh noisy streets that you feel you know like a car is racing towards you and you just start getting that like panic feeling of i better either you know run away or
1: <laughs> do something I mean, it is the case that, that we're sophisticated monkeys designed for another yeah, time right we live in a world of incredible stimulation yeah i mean you know
0: um, how do you manage that all the sensory inputs
1: (sighs) um well i mean surely my meditative practice yeah um but you know i mean i i i don't really use social media um i find that that unnecessarily like uh, Creates dopamine releases in my brain. Uh-huh. Um, Mind creates everything, right? So, I'm creating simplicity. Yeah. I'm creating calm.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it's powerful. Um,
1: it's definitely something I need to pursue more as uh, a meditative practice. Sure. You know, I, I would say that just like you know, I, I I like to ride my bike. I ride my bike. 15 to 25 kilometers a day. I really enjoy riding my bike. And even in the midst of Mexico City traffic, there's a calm, right? I mean, you're on this bike, you're in the moment. uh, A teacher of mine said that, you know, cooking in the kitchen and burning nothing is yoga. So in the same way, I mean, (laughs) you know that everything is meditation if we bring the right mindset. That, you know, that, that maybe we need to, I know that part of my practice get away from this idea of this is meditation, this is not. You know, really blurring that line between Formal meditation, just living life. That's I mean, brilliant. so surely it's the case when I'm on my bicycle, because of the cars coming at me and just the incredible amount of information I'm taking in. This is a form of meditation, right? Sure. So I find that even in a in a, in a situation where you wouldn't think there's calm, there's calm. There's this beautiful calm yeah. riding my bike, even in the midst of like all of this craziness. That's fantastic. So it's there. Yeah. It's always there. That
0: yeah, that's it's it's. It's interesting because it reminds me of um, an article I was reading where it's, it's so important and it's so uh, be- beneficial when you don't... So I think the argument was, if you consider, okay, at 10 a.m. I'm going to go and I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to do 30 minutes of a workout, that really just isolates out... The exercise, but if you incorporate that into your life, um, so that you are actually exercising to say get to your job, or in your sure. case, you're sure. you're um, you're getting exercise with the biking, but you're also getting this meditative state and this this calm from it. So that's really fascinating that you're you're able to embed this into your life and get two major uh, benefits from it. Yeah, yeah I'll tell you. Like
1: I, I bought the, the bike simply um, for pragmatic reasons. I just wanted a, a different way to get around. Had I had no idea that um, that it was going to be a form of therapy. Yeah. It was going to be a form of present moment awareness. So, yeah. Um, and I think it's true. I mean that you know that we let go of ideas, uh, formal ideas about this and that, and just incorporate it all. Right. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I, um, I, think
0: it's, I think it's a really powerful tool. Again, tool. <laughs> it keeps coming up. But it's, it's it's it really is.
1: I, wanna, I just want to make kind of a, a meta point. Isn't it interesting that we qualify what we say by saying, I read this article. I, I listened to this podcast. It, it's, it's interesting. I'm aware of how my ego is trying to assert itself right now, right? I've assumed this position in this podcast. Oh, I've got something to say. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to qualify what I have to say by referencing this source, it's funny, I, I do this a lot, I notice this, yeah. right? it's interesting. No, I
0: like, um, you, you're definitely, I, you are the, um, the people that you surround yourself with, so I enjoy having you around because I need people like that to, uh, to draw my attention to these things, because it is fascinating how we almost use those things as a crutch, sometimes.
1: I think we want to validate our, our right. opinions, right? But once again, I mean, coming back to the Lao Tzu quote, you know, that every day we let something go. Yeah. What does it look like to have no beliefs? What does it look like to have no preconceived notions or assumptions about the way the world is? Can we return to a childlike mind, a mind before thought?
0: I hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Richard. As a tribute to him, I can't think of a better way to lead out of this interview than with a few seconds of dead air silence on this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like it. And if you don't want to miss any future episodes, it would be amazing if you subscribe to my podcast.